Well, good morning, everybody. And thank you for your cards, for appreciation. I appreciate that. Appreciate you. I want to tell you a fable this morning. It's not uh, a new fable. It was actually first written back in 1947 by a guy named Rebus. He says this, Once upon a time, the animals decided to organize a school. They adopted an activity curriculum consisting of running, climbing, swimming, and flying. To make it easier to administer the curriculum, all the animals took all the subjects. The duck was excellent in swimming. In fact, he was better than his instructor. But he made only passing grades in flying, and he was very poor in running. And since he was slow in running, he had to stay after school and drop his swimming in order to practice running. And this, was, this kept up until his webbed feet were so badly worn that he became only an average swimmer. But average was acceptable in school, so nobody worried about that except the duck. The rabbit started at the top of the class in running, but he had a nervous breakdown because of so much makeup work in swimming. The squirrel was excellent in climbing until he developed frustration in the flying class, where his teacher made him start from the ground up instead of from the treetop down. He also developed a charley horse from overexertion, and then he got a C in climbing and a D in running. The eagle was a problem child. And he was disciplined severely. In the climbing class, he beat all the others to the top of the tree, but he insisted on using his own way of getting there. All in all, the the parable goes on. It wasn't a great success in terms of creating a school for the animals. Now, I share this fable because the Bible says that you are a combination of many different factors. Uh, They shape you. And and using the acronym SHAPE, this is not original to me, but I'm going to put flesh onto this, is is using the, the, the acronym SHAPE. The first, the S stands for your spiritual gifts. Every believer has been given a gift to use for the benefit of others. I, I one time heard somebody say, gifts are not for your enjoyment, they're for your employment. <laughs> you use your gift to serve others to build up the body of Christ. And the H stands for your heart or your passions. That's your motivations. Those are the things that drive you. Those are your interests. I think you'd agree that there are some things that you care deeply about that other people could care less about, <laughs> like golf. But that, that's just revealing your heart. You know, We have different hearts. The Bible says God has put it in their hearts to accomplish His purposes. And the Bible says that, For it is God who is at work in you, Working to will and to do his good pleasure. One translation puts it this way. To do his own chosen purpose. So God puts the desire in your heart. You can't get away from the basic interests that God has implanted in your life. You're unique in that. And it's not by accident that you have certain interests and other people have other interests. So S is your, your spiritual gift. H is your heart or your passion. You know, somebody might say, hey, I have the gift of teaching. And we say, great, we need a third grade teacher. They go, ah, I hate kids. So it's one thing to have a gift. It's another thing to have passion. And so these are all important together. The third thing is your abilities. That's what the A stands for. 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says there are different abilities to perform service. Now, a lot of people think that they don't have any abilities. But I, I want to tell you, you do. You just don't recognize their abilities. In fact, researchers say that the average person has between 500 and 700 different abilities. If you can raise your hand, that's an ability. Uh, you, uh, some of you are good with numbers. Some of you are good with words. Some of you are good at speaking. Some of you have different abilities. Some of you know how to work with people. 
Others, we want to keep you away from people. You know, some people have abilities in music. Anybody here ever heard of Michael Jordan? He had some incredible abilities. You might have an ability to entertain. Other people fall flat when they try to entertain. You might have the ability to cook or to draw or to speak or to recruit or to research or or maybe to landscape or to build something. We all have different abilities, and I don't think they're by accident. Exodus 31.3 was a verse that came along late in my in my Christian life, and it really tuned me to something that I hadn't thought about. This is what God says. It says or the, the, what Exodus says. I, meaning God, have given him skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. I never thought of craftsmen as, as having been given that ability by God. You know. So he's given you gifts. He's given you a heart, which are your basic motivations. He's given you certain abilities, which are your natural talents and skills. And then he's given you a personality. And they say that a personality is developed by the way you act, the way you feel, and the way you think. Years ago, there was a great debate that went on about, is personality something that you're born with? Or is personality something that you develop in the environment that you live in? In other words, is it nature or is it nurture? Which is it? Now, those of you who have had Psychology 101A, you'll know that uh, study after study shows that children are born with a set pattern of personality characteristics long before they get influenced by their environment. Anybody here who's a parent of more than one children knows that to be true. Some babies come out cooing and loving and they're so complacent. They're just so much fun. And other babies come out chomping a cigar and, you know, I dare you to make me smile and uh, I'm taking the world on, you know, and... Uh, any of you who are parents of multiple children must have felt like I felt sitting with three kids around the table, and I think, did these come out of my loin? You know, this is not the environment that, that we we created them in. So your personality is part of your shape, your gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality. And God wants to use your personality for a purpose. Now, listen, I think that we think about personalities this way, introvert and extrovert. Some people say to me, I'll bet you, you know, you're an extrovert. That's really not true. I'll tell you what defines an extrovert and an introvert. An, an extrovert is somebody who gets their energy by being with people. And an introvert is somebody who gets their energy by being alone and in solitude. I'm an introvert. And the reason that I do what I do is because I know it's important to do it. And so I'm outgoing in this context, but I don't get my energy from people. I get my energy in solitude. Now, my wife, Kathy, who some of you would say, I'll bet you she's really introverted. (laughs) You know, I get home, she wants to be with people. (laughs) She gets energy from being with others. And so uh, so that's, that's kind of how it defines personality. So shape, your spiritual gift, your heart or your passion, your abilities, your personality, and then your experiences. You know, in the last message that I'll do in the series, we're going to do a series over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to talk to you about four different kinds of experiences that God uses in your life. But I will tell, I'll tell you this as a, as a lead into it. God never wastes a hurt. And there are things that uh, have happened in your past, no matter how bad they are, that God can use them. Who ministers better to someone who's lost a child than someone who's lost a child? Who ministers better to someone who's been fired from a job than someone who's been fired from a job? Who ministers better to someone who's going through bankruptcy than somebody who's been through bankruptcy? Who ministers better to an alcoholic than someone who's an alcoholic? 
And it's kind of like the little boy who brought his loaves and fishes. They weren't a lot, but he brought them to Jesus, and Jesus blessed them and broke them, and he passed them out, and he fed multitudes. And if you bring your hurts and your experiences of life to God and say, God, could you use this? He will bless it and break it and pass it out and use it in ministry to other people as well. So that's your shape. Now, in the weeks that are coming up here, you're going to hear one word an awful lot. It's the word gift. Gift giving, gift receiving, gift wrapping, gift lists, gift certificates. But I want to tell you about another kind of gift this morning as we kind of kick off this, this study. It's spiritual gifts. God is a giver. And the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ, He gives you three things. When you open your life to Christ, you became a believer, the first gift He gave you was eternal life. Many of you can quote this verse, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you don't have to worry about your future because it's already secure. And then the moment you gave your life to Christ, He also gave you His Spirit to put inside of you. The way that Jesus comes to dwell in you is by way of His Spirit. And when you invite Christ in your life, that's how He comes to dwell in you. And by the way, it's airtight. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave you and then come back at another time when you're more holy or more broken. When you become a believer, you have as much of the Holy Spirit as you're ever going to get. But He might get a hold of more of you. And the issue isn't so much, you know, fill me more, God. No, it's empty me so that you can fill me. It's like having a pilot light. It's always there, but you've got to turn on the burners. God will never leave you or forsake you, the Bible says. So, That's a gift that he gives you at the point of of salvation. But there's a third gift that he gives you, and that's this. He gives you an ability, a special ability to use for his purposes. It's called a spiritual gift. Romans 12, 6 says this. In his grace, God has given us certain gifts or different gifts for doing certain things. The gifts we possess differ as they're allotted to us by God's grace and must be exercised accordingly. So when you became a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ, God gave you a brand new purpose for living. And he never asks you to do something that he doesn't equip you to do. So when he gives you this new purpose, he also, at that point of salvation, he puts a gift into your life. And the Bible has a lot to say about spiritual gifts. And I'll tell you what, next week I'm going to define them. But the Bible says that every Christian gets at least one gift. It's different from a natural ability. Only, only believers have spiritual gifts. And when you're born physically, you get certain physical gifts. You get to hear, you get to taste, smell, touch. But God gives you, at the point of spiritual birth, a, a, a spiritual ability to serve Him. Every believer has at least one. And God gives them sovereignly. That means you don't get to choose them. I'll take this, this, and this. No. He gives, he, he, you don't get to, it's a gift. And gifts are not earned. It's a free gift of God. And there are several lists in the Bible, and, and we're going to look at those next week. Now, why is it important for me to know what my spiritual gift is? I'll tell you why. Because, first of all, understanding what your gift is shows what God's plan is for your life. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it's the same Spirit who distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so, in other words, your spiritual gift determines what God, how God wants you to serve Him. And I think once you understand what your spiritual gift is, it'll answer a lot of questions like, you know, where does God want me to serve as a Christian? What should be my ministry? How should I spend my time? Where should I focus my life? What's God's will and purpose and plan for me? 
Every Christian is called to serve the cause of Christ. But your spiritual gift will tell you particularly where you should serve. If you're gifted in organizing, then God wants you to be an organizer. If you're gifted in teaching, then he wants you to be a teacher. If you're gifted in music, then he wants you to be a music person. If you're gifted in reaching non-Christians with the gospel, then he wants you to be an evangelist. Whatever your gift is determines how you're going to be used by God. And notice the word differences. It's used three times. It says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, different kinds of service, and there are different kinds of working. And we're not to copy other people's spiritual gifts. I think this is a temptation for many of us to copy other Christians' gifts. God doesn't want you to copy anybody else. He knows the gift that's best for you. And that's why he chose it for you. And gifts explain why Christians who believe the same thing sometimes see things differently. I think you've noticed this sometimes where Christians still disagree about certain things. I think a lot of this has to do with spiritual gifts. I, by the way, I wouldn't start a new denomination about what I'm about to say. But uh, I think people tend to emphasize what they're gifted in. So if you're gifted in evangelism, you think everybody should be doing evangelism. And if you're gifted in, uh, in teaching, you know, then we should have a church that just teaches, you know. And uh, so there's, we, we tend to project what our gift is onto other people. And then, you know, flocks of a feather or birds of a feather flock together. And so I think that's why you have a lot, you know, you've got your deliverance churches and you've got your teaching churches and you've got your, you know, Pentecostal churches and, you know, different kinds in that respect because they kind of emphasize one gift. I like to think that we're a perfect combination of all of them right here. <laughs> but let me give you an example of how this might play out. You're out for dinner at a restaurant and... Somebody at the table spills their dessert on the floor. The person who has a gift of mercy says, oh, don't feel bad about that. I did that once, too. And the person who has a gift of preaching says, you know, that's what happens when you're not careful. (laughs) And the person who has a gift of service says, hey, let me help clean up. And the person who has a gift of teaching says, you know, that's what happens when you put the plate too close to the edge of the table. They just want to instruct. And the person who has a gift of exhortation says, hey, I've got a great idea. Next time, let's have the dessert on the table before we start dinner. And the person who has a gift of giving says, hey, I'll be happy to buy you another dessert. And the person who has a gift of administration says, hey, Jim, why don't you go get a mop? And hey, Sue, you go get another dessert. And Mary, I'll help you. And, and they just want to get everything organized. You know, We're all different. And we're all important. I don't know if you've ever read a Christian biography or not. I've read tons of them, and I always go away feeling so guilty when I read about these great Christian people, and I think, how in the world do they pray for ten hours? You know. And now I realize, why? That guy got the gift of intercession. That's why he can do it. There are at least 20, I think we're going to look at 24 next week, different gifts listed in the Scriptures. How is it that you know somebody... Every time this guy, this friend of mine gets on a plane, the guy next to him accepts Christ. I think, man, I'm such a terrible Christian, you know. He's got the gift of evangelism. So don't project your gift onto others and don't let other people project their gift onto you. It's all important. And what my gifts do is they kind of show what God's plan for me is individually. And then the other thing is that my gifts show what my worth is. 
In 1 Corinthians 12.27, I love how it's phrased in the Living Bible. It says, all of you form the one body of Christ, and each one is a separate and necessary part of it. You're needed. You're important. There's no little people. I remember being at a junior high camp, and, and the speaker said, you may be a little toe in the kingdom of God, but you'd be the best little toe you could be. <laughs> you know, God gives us spiritual gifts to bless other Christians and to build up the body. And here's the thing. If you don't use your gift, I suffer. And if I don't use my gift, you suffer. God's design is for all of us to make a unique contribution. And you're not gifted by accident. The picture's incomplete. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. If your piece isn't there, the picture's incomplete. And so if you're a Christian, you're needed. And I might just say a word to those of you who are parents, that after your kids have received Christ, I think one of the best things you can do to raise their spiritual self-esteem is just to help them discover and, and, uh, and develop their gifts as well. Then they can realize, I can make a contribution with my life. And it raises their self-esteem. Listen to how the message praises that 1 Corinthians 12:27 passage. It says, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. And so my gift shows my worth. And then thirdly, my gifts are the key, or you might say they're the source to the fulfillment that I experience in life. You know, every human being, I think, has a desire to be used. Every human being has a desire to accomplish something and to feel significant. And, and they really want to feel like their life is making an impact. And when you use your spiritual gift that God's given you, you're not only productive because God has gifted you to do something, but I think you'll enjoy it as well. When I was a high school student, my dad's study was downstairs in our house. And I remember going into a study one day and I said, Dad, how do you know what your spiritual gift is? And here's what he said, son, first of all, You'll enjoy it. And I think that's really key. You'll enjoy it. He said, other people will recognize it, and God will bless it. And I'll tell you, I have passed that on to so many people, and I found that to be true. Because, you know, why would God give you something that you hate? <laughs> you know, Look what it says in John 15, 8. This is how my Father is glorified. If you, if in your becoming fruitful and being my disciples, I have told you this so that you can share my joy and that your joy might be complete. And I think real joy comes when your life is productive and it counts and it matters and you're just not taking up space. Now, the thrill being used by God, I can tell you, is one of the greatest thrills that you can experience in life. And I know some of you can't comprehend that this morning. And I would say if you've never experienced what it, what it, feels like to be used by God, you're missing out on a lot. I've had a pretty active life. I've had a lot of great experiences. And I've traveled to a lot of places in the world. I've had some exciting adventures along the way, but I can tell you that nothing compares to the thrill of being used by God in another person's life. That gives me the greatest pleasure. And nothing, trust me, nothing compares to knowing that God has given you a gift and you're using it to bless other people. God wants you to unwrap that gift. Could you imagine coming down and getting a birthday present and somebody says, how did you like that gift I gave you? And you say, I never opened it. <laughs> you know, God has given you a gift. Unwrap it. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. God wants you to know your gift. And I didn't put this in your study notes. It's 1 Corinthians 12.1. If you have a pen, you want to write it down, look it up later. But it says this. Now about the gifts of the spirits, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. This is the Apostle Paul talking. 
One translation says, I don't want you to be ignorant. So how do you discover your spiritual gift? Well, I think there's two ways. One, you can examine your Christian life and you can look back at the different kinds of things, experiences that you've had. And you can say, is there any ways that God has used me in the past where I've really enjoyed doing it? How has he blessed me? Uh, what have other people said to me? How have they, how they say that I've impacted others? And if you've never gotten involved in ministry, I don't think you can really know what your gift is. And oftentimes, one of the best ways to do it is to just try certain ministries, and then you can get into one, and you can go, ah, I hate it. <laughs> then you know that's probably not your gift. So then try another one. You know, that's one way. Look back in your life, what interests you, and then experiment as well. Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.14. He says, do not neglect the spiritual gift that is in you. And I know a lot of you already know what you're good at. And you know how God has gifted you. But you're not using that gift for God's glory. You're neglecting your spiritual gift. And I don't know why. Maybe you're too, say I'm too busy. Maybe you have wrong motives. Maybe you're just lazy. Maybe there's the fear of embarrassment or failure. And I think that Satan will do anything he can to keep you from discovering and developing the gift that God has given you. He'll try to get you involved in all kinds of good things so that you miss out on the better things. Here's what Paul said to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6. He says, fan into flame the gift God gave you. In other words, keep it alive. Strengthen it. Deepen it. Cultivate it. Increase it. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Listen, just because you're gifted in an area of ministry doesn't mean it's easy. I, I think I'm gifted in communication, but I'll tell you what, it's not easy preparing messages every week. And I'll tell you another thing, I don't get an extension. <laughs> Could you come back on Tuesday? I have a term paper every week. That's hard work. And you might be gifted in counseling or caring for people, and they're hurting and I want to tell you something, that is not easy week after week after week to carry the load of other people's concerns. You may be gifted in organization, but that doesn't mean it's easy. You know, any of you who put on events know how much it takes to pull something off. But just don't give up. Keep on going. And then the third thing that God wants you to do is to use it. First Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In other words, faithfully managing that God's grace that's been given to you, His gift. Look what it says in Ephesians 4.12. Why is it that He gives us these special abilities to do certain things? Is it, that, it is that God's people will be equipped to do better work for Him, building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. And when I look at this, I just think that God's plan is brilliant. His plan is this. Everyone gets a spiritual gift, if you're a Christian, so that everybody can contribute, so that everybody's important, so that nobody feels insignificant, and so that we all function together as a symphony. He gives every Christian a spiritual gift so that every person can be a partner with God in the most important task in the world, which is building the kingdom of God. God's plan is that some people set up and some people organize and some people make artistic signs and some people do music and some people teach and some people work with kids and some people know how to raise the money financially and some people put it all together, but everybody's important and no one is more important than the other. It's all God's plan. It takes everybody. You know, right now here at Water's Edge, 
We have, we have people who have discovered what their gift is, and they are actively involved in ministry. Many of them are behind the scenes, and you never know who they are. But they're what make this church run. And I'll tell you what motivates somebody to keep, keep on. Keep on serving, keep on working, keep on helping, keep on ministering, even when nobody applauds it. I'll tell you what keeps them going. They're gifted to do it. When you're gifted to do something, you do it because it's pleasurable. It's satisfying. It's fulfilling. And that's the way God meant for it to be. So, brothers and sisters, I, I know that I can't do all the ministry. As I read the Bible, I understand I'm not supposed to do it that way. A church isn't supposed to be a one-man show. The Bible says that pastors are to equip people for their ministry and help them discover and then develop their gifts to do ministry. In Matthew 25, there's a very important story. Most of you know it. It's the story of the talents. Three guys were each given certain talents or monetary gifts. One guy buried his. One guy multiplied his. And uh, the guy who didn't use it, it's a, it's a very important parable because... Uh, he lost it all. So in other words, there's a final exam. And as your pastor, I want you to be able to give the right answer. So I'm going to give you a pop quiz just to close off this morning. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you are, have you found what your gift is? Or what's your excuse for not finding it? When you stand before Christ one day and he says, how come you didn't unwrap the gift that I gave you? God's not going to hold you accountable for, for gifts that he never gave you. But he is going to hold you accountable for what he has given you. The Bible says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And God has made an investment in you, so don't waste it. There are a lot of people, I think, who fear death. But I want to tell you something. Don't fear death. If you're a believer, you're going to heaven. Instead of fearing death, what you should fear is a wasted life. God has shaped you for significance. And I hope you'll discover what that gift is, develop it, and then put it into action and start using it. Now, when you leave today, if you'd like to, you don't have to, I've printed out a, an inventory. There's questions that, that, you, that you answer, and then you put them onto a, a, a little answer sheet, on the, which is on the back. And by the way, for couples, I put two answer sheets to every one of those. So, you, so as a family, you only need to take one. And as you answer those questions, there's, there's four ways you can answer it. Sometimes, never, you know, all the time. So, and then after you take it, then you transfer those, those answers, and it will show you in a pattern about what might potentially be. It doesn't say this is your spiritual gift, but this is where you should experiment with it, where you should look. And so if you get like a 15, a 15, and then you get a 0 and a 3, you probably should be looking at the 15 ones as... Uh, as, as where you should be looking. And by the way, everybody has at least one gift, but some people have a gift mix. Now, I'll just, just in closing, just say this. I, I have done this test probably 50 times in my life over the course of my 62 years. And it always comes out the same. Do you know what my primary spiritual gift is? Encouragement. I just use my preaching to encourage you. My second gift, numerical, is leadership. That I like to, I'm like a coach. I want to motivate people to do things, and I want to lead them someplace. I want to take them where they've never been. And then my third gift, as it shows up, as I take this over and over again, is teaching. 
I'm not really a great preacher, but I want to be a teacher. I want people to understand who God is. And so that is my primary gift mix. And uh, there's, there, you know, remember what my dad said, you'll enjoy it. Other people will recognize it and God will bless it. And so if you'd like to take one of these, the ushers will have them at the door as you leave. And, uh, but don't feel you have to. Then after you've taken that, if you do, then next week I'm going to teach on what, makes, what each of those gifts look like and how they're manifested in, in ways uh, in your life as well. That's enough. Let's stand and pray. And right after I'm done praying, um, City Sound sang a song before you got here for the 945 service. And uh, so uh, you don't have to stay, um, but they're going to sing it as you're going out. But if you want to stay and enjoy it, you sure can. But let me pray for us. And Would you bow with me? And just as we're bowed in attitude of prayer, I have thought this week about what a spiritual explosion could happen in our church if everybody here discovered and developed and used their gift. And I'd like to ask you to make an important commitment today. Maybe you didn't even know you had a spiritual gift. But just quietly where you're standing, would you say, God, I want to discover and I want to develop And I want to use the gift that you've given me. And Father, I think there's some people who are here today that need to understand and realize emotionally that they matter to you. Would you help them to sense your love? Father, if there's someone here that's never opened their life to Jesus Christ, would you help them to take that step and and to say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. And I want you to come into my life and make me the person that you want to be, want me to be. I want to follow you. You know, the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the greatest gift you could receive. So would you accept that today? And then, Father, in this next couple of weeks, would you use these words from your word? to help us discover and develop the shape that you've given to each of us, the design that you formed and crafted and fashioned and made each of us unique and for a purpose. And I pray that individually and collectively as a church, that self-esteem will rise and people will find new success in life and find significance and meaning and satisfaction from, from what you, for what you meant them to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.